Hey, how's it going? Hi, thank you so much for taking the call. I'm so excited right now. You are you are very welcome. I, I hope I'm sure we can do something uh, useful. Do you want to um, do you want to start out by reading the email? Okay, so I'll start out with the email. Yeah. Okay. So, hi, I'm contacting you because I'm a brand new nurse and the coronavirus situation is extremely stressful. I'm considering quitting my new job because the risk I'm at. And I was hoping you could help me make that decision because it's weighing on me so heavily. Uh, my circumstances are as followed. I was hired as a psychiatric nurse and started working on at a hospital. I'm a new graduate with no experience in the field. The hospital I work at is now at full capacity with Corona patients and there are no more respirators left. My unit is a psych unit. So we do not have the normal things like a medical floor does. Although other hospitals have stopped admitting patients into psych units because of the coronavirus, our hospital continues to admit new patients to the psych unit. This morning, we admitted our first patient with a pending COVID test, and she is symptomatic. Although no one from administration is talking to us at all about any of this, my assumption is we will begin to care for these patients. The hospital is basically out of equipment. Our floor has not had hand sanitizer for weeks. And we have been using shampoo as soap at the only two hand sinks we have. Nurses on other units taking care of these patients have told me that they are reusing the N95 masks for days and do not have any gowns. They have described the scenes on these floors as something out of a horror movie. We have two employees so far that have, that have been intubated. One, a man in his 60s, and the other is a 30-year-old male as well. I want to quit so badly because of the lack of regard for the healthcare workers. Uh, I am terrified of getting sick and then the hospital not being able to treat me. I have a three-year-old son and my husband at home, and I would never be able to forgive myself if they got sick. I know my mind tends to go to worst case scenario, but we are seeing healthy people becoming critically ill at the hospital. So I don't think I'm being too irrational. My husband's company just suspended work until further notice, so we will not be getting any income if I do quit, but we do have enough in savings for at least six months of living expenses. Uh, my husband's advice has been to do what I think is best, um, but he would also have said he is not would not be upset if I did quit. Both my su husband's son and I have sacrificed so much for me to become a nurse and start working. Our plan was to have my husband stop working and stay at home with our son, once I was acclimated to my new job. So although I do think the chances are high of finding a new nursing job, I feel like I may be throwing all of our hard work and sacrifices away. I have been in a constant state of panic and I've been following the coronavirus since the beginning and I'm kicking myself for still going ahead and getting a job at a hospital before all of this. Can you please talk me through this? Thank you. Well, that is a, a hell of a story, and I'm I'm so sorry that your launch into the career that you've wanted for so long and that your family so depends on is now caught up in the clusterfuck of incompetence that has characterized general medical situations like hospitals and the requirements for. I mean, no sanitizer. This is madness. Reusing masks yeah. over and over again, no end in sight. So, can you just do me a favor? Can you step me through? I mean, early February, you said you got the job. Can you step me through the progress? And feel free to go into as much detail as, as you want. Step me through the progress of how this began to manifest 
because, you know, February 3rd was pretty early days, right? How did this begin yes. to manifest in your professional environment over the last two months? Well, I have to say there has been so little talk about it. Um, we've had nobody giving us any kind of insight as to what's going on on the other units of the hospital. All, um, so for a the first two weeks, I wasn't in the hospital. I was doing training, like an orientation type thing uh, off the job, you know, off the on a different uh, at a different building. So um, but when I got into the hospital around February, um, there was no talk of the coronavirus at all. Everything was as usual. Um, and manageable, gone, right? I mean, it's it's calibrated yes. for a certain number of patients, and it was manageable when you started, right? Yes, totally. It's a it's a four hundred fifty five bed hospital, so um, you know, didn't see any chaos at all. It was fine, and um, and then that's just me knowing about it, um, you know, and constantly watching your videos and some other videos on it. I knew about it, so. I would talk about it with some other nurses because initially I was on a medical floor. They gave me a four week training on that floor and um, they would talk about it from time to time, but all the nurses brushed it off. Let, uh, you know, they, everyone kept saying it's the flu. Why is everyone worried about it? Um, and then I would say the first week in March, one of our administrators came to the medical floor I was training on and um, they showed us the proper equipment to wear if we have to take care of one of these Corona patients and that we, if we do choose to travel, you know, it will be, if we go to a high, uh, you know, an area that's, uh, you know, one of the higher risk areas, we would have to use like our vacation time to, to quarantine for 14 days. So everyone, no one took it seriously at all. Um, everyone was worried about their vacations and stuff like that. And, um, and then after that, um, that was really it. I, I mean, that's as far as I heard anything from the administrator. So then I went to the psych unit and I was asking everybody, you know, are we still admitting patients from the ED because nobody's able to get tests here either. So, wait, you know, wait, they're sorry, not, what do you mean? Nobody's able to get tests. You mean just in the psych ward or in the hospital as a whole? In the, unless they're showing up to the ED, very symptomatic, you know, coughing, fever, they're not getting a test. So, um, yeah. And so sorry to interrupt, come, but you, you, why yeah, no. is it because they don't have the test? They don't think it's important. Like why, would the test be withheld in this situation? That's all. That's all that I've heard is that there aren't enough tests. Okay. So it has. They have to be reserved for people who are very symptomatic. Um. Yeah. So I. I was asking around a little bit. Um. Like you know, are people getting tested before they get sent up here? Because you know, it's. You know, it was really starting to escalate at that point, but nobody's still taking it seriously. Um, and that's really how it's been going. Um, our new thing on the unit this past week is that all employees have to take their temperature at the beginning of the shift and at the end of the shift. And that if it's over 
a hundred, we have to let the manager know, and then they'll, they will tell us what to do, but I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's go and get a test or go home. Um, I did actually end up calling out one day last week because at that point, as far as I knew, um, they, um, I was going according to CDC guidelines, which at the time was if you have a fever, runny nose, and your healthcare worker, stay home. So I did get, I had a low grade fever and I decided to stay home. But then um, my manager actually called me and said that that wasn't the right thing to do, that I, that unless I have a hundred degree fever over, I, I should report to work. Oh, okay. So, now, what happened to the intake metrics over the course of the last month? You say things were pretty normal up until early March, this being uh, close to the end of March. What happened to the intakes and what happened to the, um, I guess, the number of beds being occupied and, and how that played out? Yeah. Okay, so I can say the first patient that we all heard about was probably, I want to say, like this probably about March 15th, 16th. That was the first uh, confirmed patient we heard about. And that was just through word of mouth, through other nurses and stuff, um, not through administration. And today we are at full capacity, been at full capacity for about five days, which means every floor but uh, my unit, which is maybe 20 20 beds and then the labor and delivery unit, which is about 20 beds. So something like 300 patients within a matter of uh, a week and uh, about two weeks. Yeah. And was that like one big wave or was it a sort of yeah. a slow trickle up or what? It, it seemed like one big wave that they're saying um, that they're getting about three or four patients every hour in the ED. Uh, you know, and they still have to give them the tests and everything, which um, I'm hearing is two days for the results. So they they bring them in, they test the patients, and then uh, they they put them on precautions as if they do have it, and they're called PUIs, which is patient under investigation. And uh, so you're supposed to take all the proper precautions, all the necessary um, equipment. You would do the same as if you thought that they had the coronavirus. And how long did it take from the first trickle to being uh, at capacity? It really feels like 10 days, probably 10 days, honestly. Now, at capacity means, of course, over capacity, because I assume now what happens yeah. to people who show up when there aren't any beds? Right. Well, we have two tents they put outside. And then um, I have had off yesterday and today, but... Um, as from what I've heard, we opened a building across the street, which was supposed to be for even more uh, beds. So people are still being taken care of. They're just being put in, was it more temporary facilities? Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. And I guess people are now taking it a little bit more seriously? Yes, but even still on my floor, there is such like, I mean... Every, so as of last week, we had to start wearing surgical masks that, you know, the whole hospital had to start wearing them a week ago. Um, so that's as serious, really, as um, they've gotten about it. 
Um, but I, I would still say no managers have spoken to us about it. Uh, it's just becoming more serious with us, the nurses, feeling nervous. Wait, so you got the conversation about coronavirus back in the day, but since the hospital has become, well, has been overwhelmed and has had to spill over into temporary quarters, you haven't had any sit-downs or approaches from the managers about, here's what's changed, here's what we can expect, uh, here's what you should do, or anything like that? No, not at all. And I don't know if that's because at the time when we first got that talk, I was on a medical floor, and now I'm on uh, the psych floor. But um, we've had no sit-down type of talk about how this is all going to be handled at all. And how's, I mean, this is a tough question to gauge as a whole, but how is the morale of the people in the hospital? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's bad. It's bad because uh, they have sent so many workers to work from home. So like all the social workers, any office personnel, everyone's working from home, but the doctors and nurses. So, um, and no visitors allowed, of course, for about the past week. Um, so you walk in and it's just so... It just feels horrible. Everyone is avoiding each other, you know, trying to stay away from each other. Um, Yeah, it's like we're all, for me too, especially because I've been trying to learn, I can't, it's it's constantly in the back of my head. So, um, and I noticed that now more with the nurses, like this past week, we're all just kind of, um, no one's laughing, you know, there's nothing, the morale is, is not good, not good. Have you been given, I guess, if you haven't had any meetings with the managers, has anyone told you what the expectation is for the caseload going forward? Nope, not at all. So I got and I looked at the emails from work this morning, um, and that was when I saw that we admitted the first patient um, because one of my fellow nurses was asking our manager, what do we do? This patient is we're, you know, we're in the intake room, which is a separate room off the unit. And she said, um, this patient is under investigation for Corona and she has symptoms. And, um, she said, do you want us to bring her on the unit? And our manager replied, yes, uh, bring her on the unit and, uh, just make sure she's in a room by herself. And that's, that's it. So none of us know what to do with, you know, these kind of patients. It must be rough, of course, for the patients as well. I got an email from somebody who was uh, admitted or they admitted themselves to the hospital because of coronavirus symptoms. And they're like, man, they'll put you in. You can't see anyone. Like, you're completely isolated uh, other than, of course, the nurses and doctors. And uh, you kind of get warped into another dimension socially. And I'm not sure that's particularly clear to people as a whole. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Right. And has there been, no, let me not, let me not ask that question. That's a little bit too, too, too on point. So when did you first start to think that the system, if not your system, your future there might be overwhelmed or it might be time to, um, as, as my friends used to say, get out of Dodge? Yeah, um, I would say it was really like the first week I came onto the the psychiatric unit because I was just starting to follow. It was nothing that had to do with uh, being in the hospital and hearing things. It was more me knowing what was going on and how fast this, you know, it was accelerating. 
And uh, then I was kind of like feeling like, oh, wow, I'm in too deep at this point. And I, I really don't know what to do. Also, because a friend, a friend's mom really went out of her way to get me this job. Um, so that's, you know, it's, that's been making my decision harder. I mean, it would be helpful if you had some basic facts about how it's going to be dealt with, how the increased caseload is going to be dealt with, what's going to happen. I mean, certainly if it gets to the point where you can't practically provide much care to people, then your job as a nurse becomes a bit more extraneous, right? Right, right. Right. And of course, the big fear is that you then I mean, by the, by the time you develop symptoms, you might have already had the virus for a week or two, right? That's, that's why you got the 14-day quarantine. And so right. this, the, the, the whole terror of this thing is its asymptomatic nature for mm -hmm. a week or two, or I've, I've heard even longer, right? So you oh. could pick it up, you could bring it home. And of course, I know you're scrubbing, and I know you're washing, and I know you're sanitizing and so on. But that is the big fear. Is there anything else that's going on in your mind that I need to know in, in this part of the conversation? Um, I don't think so. It's really just the, um, being that, um, you know, someone went out of their way to get me this job. That's been one factor for me. Um, the money thing, uh, I'm not too worried about because like I said, we do have some savings and, you know, I don't feel like, uh, that's all too important right now because of the, the panic I feel. And, um, no, I would say that, that probably all the info that's important right now. Okay, all right. So, as you know, I don't tell anyone what to do. That's sort of not the, not the job, right? But I'll tell you my approach to making these kinds of decisions. It's actually kind of simple. Run! No, kidding. Um, so, <laughs> no, the, the, my approach to taking this, these kinds of decisions is I look at the cost and I look at the benefits. So this is, yeah. not, this is not, you know, should I steal from the elderly? This is not like a big moral decision. Although there are moral elements involved that, you know, the oath that you took and the seriousness with which you take your medical duties. But I kind of look at the costs and the benefits. And you have to look at the emotions on the far side of it, because this is, again, not a foundational moral question, but this is a question of you want to help people. And if you stay, right, there's a couple of options, right? If you stay and you help people and you don't get sick and you don't infect anyone and, and so on, right, then that's a good decision, right? Right. I, I mean, tell, tell me if that's not. I mean, I assume you, you, you want to take care of the people who are in need, right? Yes, definitely. And uh, getting into this, maybe this is important too, actually, now that you're, you mentioned it. Um, I always wanted to be a psychiatric nurse. That's what I wanted to do. One of the reasons being because, you know, this stuff, I would never imagine something like this happening. But I was just more interested in the psychiatric side of um you know, of nursing more so than the medical side. And yes, but it also feels like, okay, if I could be going there and helping people who are actually sick, then maybe this would feel somewhat okay because I'm helping the people that are actually, you know, really sick. But when I'm up there helping psychiatric patients, it just, it feels so, I, it just feels so odd with the crisis going on, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get it. A sort of fiddling while Rome burns kind of thing. But of course, you are helping the patients, but indirectly, in that you are yeah. taking care uh, of, of the psychiatric patients who need taking care of. And yeah, because definitely. you're doing that, they don't have to pull someone else. So you you are right. helping yeah. the patients, but it's just not direct, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So there's there's a plus, and and I actually will draw this out sometimes. And you know whether you want to do that or not. This is sort of my way of making these kinds of decisions. So I can't. The plus of being there, helping people through this pandemic. That's not an insignificant plus. I mean, because yeah. you really want to help people, and it's kind of exciting, and it's living history, and, you know, it's a story you can tell until the day you die, and people will buy you a round of drinks, right? Because you were on the front lines uh, helping. And listen, my guess is that it's probably going to spill upstairs into the psych ward at some point, and, and you're going to have to deal with more than what you're dealing with, but you will have kind of stood your ground in the midst of a pandemic. You would have helped people. You would have you know, fulfilled your oath and uh, honored the position. And, and there's real pluses in that. Of course, if there weren't, you'd be like, come out of here, right? Like if you worked at some 7-Eleven and, you know, people were coming in and coughing on you, uh, you'd be like, no, this is <laughs> minimum wage. I'm out of here. I'll come back later, right? So right. The, so from a scale of one to, on a scale of one to 10, and this is like, it's a total gut sense thing, right? On a scale of one to 10, what's the plus of staying if you don't get sick? That would be for me, like, if I don't get sick, the plus for me would be close to a 10, probably like a nine. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, that's important, right? So that's your, that's your pull to stay. And you've got at least some categorization of it at the moment, right? Now I'm going to say something that may have you adjust your scale. (laughs) Maybe it won't, maybe it will, right? Okay. So that's your plus to stay. And that, and, and I, I get the money is important and all of that. And, and where does the money rank on that sort of one to 10 scale? Uh, well, I'd like a two. Okay. Okay. So we've got a nine for staying and a two for the money, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what about the feeling that, you know, someone got me this job and, uh, they pulled strings or they, they, they helped me out and I would kind of be betraying that trust if I left. Where does that sit on your scale? Like a seven. Oh, okay. So, so the money, not, not too big a deal, right? All right. Okay, yes, just make right. a little note here, put a little dollar beside the two. Okay. Um, what are the other pluses that come into your mind about the staying, like the, the, the drive to stay? Really just that I know what the other nurses are going through. Um, and that, like you said, I guess alleviating any anything from what all the nurses and doctors are going through would be, you know, that would be a really great thing for me. Okay. And what's the number on that? Probably like a, like a eight or a nine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to just put an eight if that's all right. We can always revisit yeah. it. Right. So it's supporting the other, supporting your, your fellow helpers, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, uh, this is where I say that the scale might adjust itself a little bit. It, it may or it may not. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there are two, three, well, there's a couple of different scenarios, right? So one is you don't get sick. Now, as far as I understand it, obviously, if you don't get sick, if you knew ahead of time you weren't going to get sick, then you would stay, right? Yes, definitely. Okay. But of course, you don't know that, right? And so let's say if you get sick, and you get knocked out for a couple of weeks. What's, but I mean, you'd have to quarantine at home, I assume, right? Or, or something like that, right? 
So yeah. we've got we got all our pluses, which is sort of the one to ten thing. Now let's let's dig in the hole. Let's go to the minuses. So the minus one to the minus ten, right? If you get sick, and I want to say all it does, like it's not important, but all it does is knock you out for a couple of weeks, uh, and then I guess you're bulletproof. I mean, I don't know. There's been some indications of reinfection, but let's just say you're obviously going to be stronger against the virus since then. So what's the minus minus one to minus ten of you getting sick? Uh, so if I were to get sick and it would just knock me out for a couple weeks, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care about that. I don't know how I put well, that you got to care a little bit. It's not fun being sick, right? No, right. Okay. So it's really not fun being sick, but. And you can't parent, right? And, and all of that. Well, that's another big part. Yes. I can't parent, um, if I'm feeling really crappy. Um, minus 10 would be what the highest. Oh, minus 10 is uh, an asteroid strikes. No, like minus 10 is, uh, minus 10 is, is you, you bring a virus home and your family gets really ill and it's just horrible. Yeah. So I'm going to say like, uh, minus four. So minus four. So you get sick for a couple of weeks and you self quarantine at home, but your family doesn't get sick. All right. So right. that's a minus four. So you and your husband get sick, but not your son. Yeah. That would be. Because that's tough, right? Because then who's going to be yeah. who's going to be doing the parenting, right? Right. That would be like a minus nine. Okay, minus nine. Now, uh, you you know the next one, right? You can you can count. What's the next one? <laughs> no. What's the next one? So the next one is you get sick. Your husband doesn't get sick, but your son gets sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forget about it. Minus 10? Yeah. Minus 10, for sure. Well, it can't be quite a minus 10, because there's something even worse, which is you and your husband and your son get sick. Right. Right? Right. That, that's got to be the minus 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would be at a minus 9, then. Okay. All right. Now, you know how you had... Uh, I said you were going to recalibrate, and um, I think you will. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah. So you you had as helping people plus nine, right? Now, mm-hmm. if if you're on the same scale, then you've got you and your husband getting sick, no one there to parent your your son, and your your son being exposed. But let's say your son doesn't get sick, so you and your husband getting sick, you know, badly for a couple of weeks. That's at minus nine. Is that, you know, like the seesaw games you play, like you get one person at the end and one person the other, you go up and down little seat things on the plank over the pivot. Mm -hmm. So if you've got helping people as plus nine on one side, is it really going to balance out you and your husband getting sick? In other words, the plus nine of helping people, does that balance out the minus nine of you and your husband getting sick? Yeah, probably not. I, I would think not. I mean, I, I, I'm not you, right? <laughs> but but <No. laughs> it seems to me that it's more of a minus if you and your husband get sick than the plus of helping people. Yes. Yeah. And and the way that you know that is you think of you think of yourself just on the other side, right? So you you're helping people, and that's great. That's a plus of some kind and a significant one. And I I respect and honor you for that dedication. So you're helping people plus plus plus. Then you and your husband get sick. And, you know, you're wretched and, and you've got to make some arrangements for your son and maybe your, and your son would have to leave, right? 
mm-hmm. right? Your son would be you know, maybe your parents or his parents or whatever, right? Your 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 son would be taken away, and at the age of three, I think you said he was. He's not gonna. Yeah, he's, he's not gonna really figure out what's going on, right? So this is gonna be right. pretty pretty upsetting for him, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so that's a significant. So the way that I sort of think of these things, I say, okay, well, if my husband and I get sick. Am I going to regret having gone to work? And I think yes, definitely. And that's how you know the minus nine is bigger than right. the the plus nine, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we've got you and your husband getting sick at a minus nine, what do you think the helping part becomes in that sort of plus to minus thing? Yeah, really low, actually. Uh, well, it's yeah, it's a probably. lot lower, right? Yeah, a lot lower. Okay, so I had a four or five or something like that, right? Yeah, a four. Mm-hmm. Now, so what's interesting, so let's say that you go to work, you help people, plus, 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 three to four, right? Now, if mm-hmm. you get sick, will you regret having gone in to help? I mean, if I got sick and it wasn't, like, life-threatening, no, I wouldn't regret it. If it was life-threatening, I feel that I would regret it. No, no, I get that. I mean, we're just going to go with the vast majority of the coronavirus cases, which is pretty nasty, uh, pretty yeah. unpleasant, but it's not, you know, they're not jamming intubations down your throat, right? Right. Okay. So if you were in there and you helped a lot of people and, you know, maybe you saved some lives and, and you just, whatever it was, right, You did, or, or you at least kept the crazy people from jumping out of windows or whatever it is right right so so i I don't mean to get overly technical with you here but um okay so so you've gone through the battle you've helped some people significantly and you get sick it you know i could see how that could balance out like yeah it sucked i got it 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 sucks that i got sick but man did i do a lot of good right yeah Mm -hmm. so you know i can sort of see like you had you getting sick at a minus four and if that balances out helping people, then maybe the helping people is a plus four, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the so the sick is the minus four, right? And and this sounds all, but this is the way I categorize things, and really, really is quite helpful, right? Now, no, it is very- so you said that the person who helped get you the job that that was like a plus seven for you staying, right? Now, this yeah. person who helped get you the job, that person really cares for you, right? I don't know. I would. I would like to think so. Well, they care for you enough to help you get a job, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you would help someone get a job, would you feel? You obviously would feel pretty bad if that person got sick on the job you helped them get, right? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So, just thinking, you've got to stay because someone got you a job is assuming that they would rather you get sick than. You know, nobody's talking about quitting nursing. You can take a hiatus, and we'll get to all of that afterwards, right? But the person who got you the job probably doesn't want you to get sick, right? Yes, that's true. I mean, let's hope <laughs> that would be a pretty nasty thing I to want, know. right? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a... So I'm going to knock that down with your permission, right, to maybe a two or three instead of a seven? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what we've got here is helping people is three to four. We can make it four. It's fine. Uh, the dollars is like a two, so mm-hmm. we got six, and then you know two to three for the other person, so we've got seven or or eight, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's your pluses to stay. Now, if you just get sick, yeah. that's a minus four. 
So if you could have some reasonable assurance that only you would get sick, then you've got more pluses to stay and fewer minuses for getting sick. However, of course, if you spread it to your husband or to your son, then there's no calculation here that makes that a plus decision. Right. And, and in terms of like kicking yourself later, this is, you know, I'm kind of, philosophy is real good for like throwing something over the hill and seeing where it lands. And, and if you project yourself forward in time, and if you get your husband sick or you get your son sick, um, you look, I, I think I understand the kind of person that you are. You're the kind of person who's like, hey, man, if I get sick, I can handle it. But if I make someone else sick, I feel really terrible, right? Yes, yes. All right, because you're a nurse. <laughs> so you're, you know, you're that. And it's, it's, a, it's a lovely thing. It's a lovely aspect of your personality. But um, your husband has a choice, right? So you, 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 uh, you said your husband is like, you know, do what you feel is right, and I support you either way, if I understood it correctly, right? So your husband can make yes. that choice. Yeah, your husband can make that choice, and he can take that risk. But your son cannot. Right. Your son That's has no capacity to really understand the risks, to understand the dangers, or if you tried to explain it to him using exploding voodoo dolls, it would traumatize him probably more than you getting sick, yes. right? Yes. So mm -hmm. when it comes to those kinds of decisions, it's sort of like, you know, guys have these, these decisions like, uh, I'm 40, I can afford a motorcycle, I have children, <laughs> should I get mm -hmm. a motorcycle? It's like, well, you know, if I fall off the motorcycle, uh, you know, I can, I can handle being in traction for a couple of months or whatever. It's like, yeah, but, you know, um, and maybe your wife's kind of okay with it. Like, you'd stop whining and complaining and looking at pictures of motorcycles or whatever. But, you know, it, it's really, it's about your kids, right? I mean, it, it comes down yeah. to those decisions that you have to make regarding your children. Now, of course, I know, as you know, that uh, children seem to be relatively less affected uh, by, by this virus. Uh, so that's part of the calculation. But... If you get sick, the odds of your, or, or even if you're a carrier, right? Because you, you could have this virus, not get sick, but pass it along to your family who does get sick, if I understand this correctly, right? Mm -hmm. So if, mm -hmm. you, yeah, if you get sick, the likelihood is that you're going to expose and probably infect your husband. You're going to expose and perhaps infect your son. And you're not going to be able to help people anyway. And this right. might already have happened, right. right? This might already have happened. Mm -hmm. Because you can't get tested, right? So you don't know, right? Right. Nope. So yeah, it's hard true. it's hard to see it's hard to see the plus side of staying. That having been said, let's look at sort of down the road, right? So as far as I understand it, Trump has now extended the sort of she says the peak is gonna be in a week or two, and uh, I think that the um the suggestions for significant social distancing is now extended to the end of April. Mm -hmm. Now, there will be, of course, a big demand for nurses when the peak of this thing has gone down. I mean, there may be a second wave, but, you know, by then there may be a vaccine, there could be uh, a cure or something. I mean, there seems to be this stuff cooking around that can be pretty helpful with, with curing and so on. Mm -hmm. So, as far as that goes, you, you getting a job, well, I think that there will be a big demand for healthy nurses after the peak of this thing has gone, because I think a lot of nurses are going to get kind of sick, right? And yeah. some of them may not feel like going back to a hospital for quite some time. Some of them might take early retirement. I mean, I know that there's a lot of 
uh, honor and a lot of I'm going to step up and help and, and so on. But there are also sensible calculations. If somebody really gets knocked on their butt by this thing, they may not be rearing to get back on the horse again, right? Right. So it doesn't seem to me, again, you know, I'm just some guy on the web. So, you know, you, you know your industry far better than I do. But it seems to me that healthy, intelligent, compassionate nurses will not be in low demand come, you know, May, June, right? So, right. you know, taking a hiatus, so to speak, right now is, uh, it would seem that the numbers point that way. And I know that sounds like, who is math to order me around? It's like, but, but these are kind of like your priorities, right? Your priority is your family and your priority is your son. And particularly because your son is young and can't participate in the decision points. You know, if your son was 10 or 12 or whatever, you could sit down and work through this stuff with him and he would have some understanding. But, you know, at three, uh, he's kind of like a balloon in the wind when yeah. it comes to making these decisions. So I kind of look for, you know, I, I always step into the little toddler shoes and say, okay, well, if I was your son, what would I be advocating for? And I got to tell you, my friend, your son is like, please, mommy, don't get sick. Yep. And I can't believe I didn't think like that because that's so true. We're not used to thinking like that because all of our attention is out there on the world and people who are pushing and jostling yeah. us around with needs and so on. But um, it's also, of course, and as you point out, like you are in the psych ward, which is not immaterial, but as you say, it's not a frontline situation, right? Right, right. So and you're, also you're, me yeah, being on orientation still, I'm not that helpful because I can't even take on my own patients. Right, right. So, yeah. Right. So those are the ways that I sort of try and, and work things out. It's really, really important in life to not have regret. Now, here's, here's the good news, right? Huh? <laughs> the good news is, is let's say you take a hiatus and obviously you won't get sick, or at least I'm sure you won't get sick. still always a possibility. But let's say you take a hiatus and you don't get sick. You won't have any particular regret other than sometimes you'll, you know, three o'clock in the morning, you'll wonder, ah, if I'd stayed, if mm -hmm. I'd stayed, it would have been an incredible experience. And it will. I mean, it will be an exhausting, exhilarating, powerful, terrifying experience to go through this mm -hmm. process in the hospital. And there will be part of you that says, mm, you know, you know, I, 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 right now, of course, if, if, and, and, and this will be reinforced if very few medical workers get sick i don't know have you have you looked at the latest numbers on that the number of doctors and nurses who are getting sick i haven't i just know that the floor that i was on getting medical training before the psych floor um i think i've heard something like four or five of them out of had gotten it and uh they had been out, out. Of, out of how many out of maybe 20 oh really yeah a 25 a 20 to 25 percent infection rate yeah, and that and that was um, you know Ooh. like a couple of weeks ago. So before it got really bad. Okay, see, you could have started with that. <laughs> I, I could have asked that too, right? But okay, that's you know, <laughs> come yeah. on, come on, you got a you got a three year old at home, right? Yeah, you got oh. a twenty to twenty five percent infection rate. You can't help patients directly, right? And and we don't, don't get have sick. like don't a get sick, mommy. It. Don't get sick, mommy. Yeah. Sorry? No, and it's just be, uh, maybe there wouldn't be that high of a rate if everyone, if there was like proper uh, equipment, but. But there isn't. That's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, but mm -hmm. there isn't. 
And I, I think it's, you know, we could sit here and, and crab all day about how just appalling that all is, given that this yeah. thing has been known about since December. Right, right. That's what kills me. Yep. Right, right. Yeah, so, that is so helpful. Yeah, so, so if, if, you, if you take a hiatus, then you will occasionally experience some what-ifs, and that's, yeah, what-ifs are fine, right? The road less traveled, the what-if, you know, it, you know, what if I'd stayed and I'd had that great memory of supporting all these people in this wild time, and, you know, I get all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if even before the tsunami, you got a 20 to 25% infection rate, man, the tsunami hits, protocols get shaky, you know, people get um, more sloppy because they're so busy. I hate to say sloppy, you know, but it's just the reality, right? I mean, uh, people are, are falling over. You got to pick them up and masks slip. And, you know, and you, as you say, you don't even have any hand sanitizer for God's sakes, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. there will be a certain amount of, you know, it's like the guy who doesn't go to war every now and then. He's like, oh, man, down at the Legion, they're having a lot of fun telling war stories. It's like, yeah, but there are a lot of them there who aren't telling war right. stories either, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So whereas on the other hand, if you do stay and get sick and, heaven forbid, make your family sick, heaven, heaven forbid, make your son sick, I don't think there's any amount of, well, I was standing with my brothers and sisters at the front lines that will make you feel better about any of that. And uh, avoiding that kind of regret, I think, is, is pretty important. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's, there's, my, there's my decision, uh, my decision matrix. Thank you and, so much. Listen, and I say this because I know that there are going to be people out there, you know, who, who need services and they're going to be upset at this conversation. And I, I completely understand that. And there could be certainly other situations, you know, if, if you were single, if you didn't have children, uh, if you were an experienced nurse who was training others, who was on the front lines, who was, you know, mm-hmm. completely dedicated to and, and, and there were, you had the equipment and you had the masks and so on, you know, that might be a different I mean, I think it would be a different calculation, different situation, but uh, I'm always there for the interests of the child. And you could say, ah, yes, well, the patients have children too. And it's like, yeah, well, that's all well and good, but this is your son. And yep. uh, I, I don't think anyone can fault you having a little bit more loyalty to your children than somebody else. Yeah, that's right. Is there anything else that you wanted to uh, mention or anything else that you wanted to share that you think people would find interesting or um, need to know about what's going on? Well, I just know that in my area, uh, people are still going out, uh, like, you know, nothing's going on. There's so many people on the road. So I, I do really wish people would stop doing that. Um, but that's really all I, I can share because it's, it's really a nightmare. It is a nasty virus, right? It, re- it really, really is. I mean, it's nothing. They're saying that... Um, when other nurses I've spoke to uh, that I've spoken to on the on some of the other units taking care of these patients, they're saying that when the patients uh, begin to um, not be able to breathe, uh, they're getting paralyzed with a combination of three drugs. I'm not sure which one. They're paralyzing them to reserve their oxygen so that they can, you know, have much less uh, oxygen demand on the body. And that when they're getting the, the x-rays, the chest x-rays, their lungs are completely, completely white, which means they're absolutely filled with fluid, which... Oh, yeah. Then you, you see these silvery patterns on, on these x-rays that, uh, in some yeah. cases, could lead to uh, permanent lung damage. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yep. listen... Um, so I think it's taken more sorry, seriously, if anything. 
Nope. I just want to say, if anything, it needs to be taken more seriously, if at all possible. Okay. Well, will you keep me posted about, about how it's going? I Listen, I really, really appreciate the trust and, and the delicacy of this question. Is, is, was this a useful way to, to approach it? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Thank you. Because right now I'm not having uh, the easiest time rationally thinking. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. You know, the triage of, of regret is really, really important. And uh, thank you, of course, for everything that you are doing. And listen, you will do, right? I mean, you, you, your, your husband's going to stay home and, and you're going to have an amazing career. You're going to be helping tens of thousands of people over the course of your career. I hugely appreciate that. Nursing is one of these entirely unsung or undersung situations uh, and, and occupations. And you're going to do some incredible stuff. And I just want you to be around to, to enjoy it. So <laughs> I... Uh, uh, I appreciate that, and and please keep me posted, and you know, give my my very best to your family. Oh, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. Take care. Take care.